the Numinous Podcast with Carmen Spaniola. Hi there, and welcome to the Numinous Podcast, where we have interesting conversations with everyday folks about the mystery of life. This podcast is a complement to the Numinous School, an online intuition development course for people who want their self-awareness to make a difference in the world. I'm your host, Carmen Spaniola, and this week my guest is Trinity Donnelly McRae, and we're talking about spirituality in addiction recovery. I connected with Trinity at my home in Victoria, B.C. So Trinity... You've been in recovery for 17 years now as mm-hmm. of yesterday. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That must have been an incredibly um, long and interesting road. But been. I wonder if you could just tell me about the moment when you made the choice mm. to get clean. Right. Sure. Um, well, let's see. I actually ended up in recovery by accident, sort of, kind of. Um, I was married in my early 20s, and um, he he had uh, the problem, or so I thought, and so um, off he went to treatment, and he invited me to come along as um, for the spousal p- part of the program, um, and I accepted with no intentions of getting clean and still being deep in denial, not really even thinking or recognizing to that much of an extent that I had a problem. So off I went to treatment to meet him there, and uh, well, when you're immersed in that kind of environment, <laughs> the denial starts to break down. Let's say so. Mm. Yeah, it was um, it was it was kind of meant. I think I was roomed with a woman who was also there for her spouse, and she had been um, in recovery herself for about seven years at the time, and I think that that was. Uh, a bit of a spiritual intervention because in the evenings her and I would sit in the room and we would talk and um, yeah my my resolve and my denial just started to break down and it only took a few days and then I they had been asking me about my addiction and I'd been saying well I don't have a problem mm. <laughs> and after a few days I started to see oh you know what I think I see what you're saying here yeah I think I do um, so that little tiny crack of a window of willingness and open-mindedness and honesty came in and um, I made the admission that you know what yeah you're right I do and that was that was the turning point wow Mm -hmm. so what did you learn about yourself as you went through those first few years of recovery oh goodness (laughs) a lot Um, countless things really I mean once you stop that lifestyle and wake up, um, kind of like reborn, I mean, you've been living your life for so long, um, self-medicating, let's say, um, everything's new. So I find even to this day, I'm still breaking ground, but mm-hmm. you know, that learning curve and, and the amount of ground I, I'm breaking in the beginning is, <laughs> is pretty massive. So, um, what did I learn about myself? Um, I learned that um, about my basic goodness. Like mm. There's a lot of rediscovering of self or relearning or being reintroduced. Um, yeah, my basic goodness. Like I remember one day, so and I was on Salt Spring at the time. That's where I had been born and raised and I had gone home 
there, and that was where I cleaned up. So Salt was, Spring is Salt a Spring little island. island. It's a yeah. lovely, intimate community. It is. Um, just off the coast of Vancouver Island, near Vancouver. And it's a pretty tight-knit community. It is, yeah. 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 Yeah, so um, so I was in, in, in the little town center, and um, an elderly person had fallen on the street, and I was one of the ones that went over to help that fellow. And it just struck me later that evening. It's like, wow, yeah, like, you know, I'm a good person. We, w- we want to be good people. We are good people, but that had been clouded over for so long. So that was something I rediscovered about myself. Wow, and so um, important. And that's interesting that you say that about rediscovering your essential goodness Mm -hmm. where do you suppose and i I, not necessarily you and uh personally but in general where do you suppose we lose that sense of our basic goodness do you think it's something that everybody experiences at some place along the line or do you think that that isn't everybody's experience necessarily i i see it a lot in the spiritual path this low spiritual self-esteem and a lack of self-worth do you think that's everybody's plight or is it particularly common in addiction and recovery okay well both i think that um that the human experience most probably um as far as i can understand it is that we come you know we come to this world and we're very close to god and we are still one or you know we're very still connected to spirit and and that essential goodness and I think that just it's just the nature of of our society too I don't know if this would be the same in all cultures around the world I actually highly doubt it but here I think that we just very soon start to have layers of cement Mm. little layers at first maybe you know depending on the family where you grow up or whatnot and and I just think that that starts to slowly get covered over and I think that's true for probably everybody I don't think Mm. those of us who end up turning to substances or other forms of addiction are necessarily different but we end up coping with it in a different way Mm -hmm. does that make sense absolutely and so you rediscovered your inherent goodness going through recovery how else do you think a person could remember that? And right. what role do you think spirituality plays in that? Like I've right. grown up with addiction all around me and people coming out of treatment and I've learned a lot through them, but I've never gone to um, Al-Anon or anything like that myself. Uh-huh. And yet I have found that this question of self-worth just doggedly chases after me right so what are some other ways do you think just you know in your own opinion people could remember their inherent goodness yeah oh gosh well I think that um often I think that no matter what it's something that we that we do together I think community Mm. um uh you know, partnership. Um, I think that quite often left to my own devices, just me and, and my head. It's sort of a scary neighborhood, but but put me with uh, some other people. Um, a lot of times those other people are helping to mirror back or love me until I can love myself. So mm. regardless of, of what path you're on, maybe, um, you know, connecting with like-minded, like-hearted people, mm-hmm. right? And we do that in all different ways, like through um, maybe... Um, 
even hobbies, you know, even, you know, what, however you find your community, right? It may be through a, a spiritual group or it may not be or through your sport or I don't know. So yeah, I'm thinking that quite often it's, it's done in groups. <laughs> right. And you've created quite a tribe around you with your uh, growing company, Divinely Inspired. Mm-hmm. So you have a community of over 8,000 people who have gathered around you. That's right. Yeah. And so That's I'd love exciting. you to tell me about how that was born, how you birthed Divinely Inspired into the world. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Um, well, thanks for asking. And I don't, I, yeah, I don't really think, I think a lot of these things are in me, but they're not of me. So I think that it was born through me, but I, I do truly feel I was divinely inspired. And um, specifically, it was when my my little boy, who's just about to turn eight, uh, when he was an infant, and at the time I'd been in recovery for about a decade, um, and um, you know my journey has included so many different um, uh, pieces. Um, I just I kind of like a personal growth junkie now you know a spiritual exploration I love it all so Mm -hmm. I've done lots of different workshops and and groups and read lots of books and seen movies and all that kind of jazz so um yeah so this particular morning I was just um kind of plagued with stinking thinking which can quite often be the case and um, I just knew that I needed a couple of minutes to get grounded and and find my gratitude and and get my head screwed on but of course with a little baby that can be tough so I popped him in his little chair on the bath mat and just decided okay I'm going to jump in the shower for a few minutes and when I jumped in the shower I saw the first thing that I saw was the um I don't know if you remember when the doctors used to give out these breast cancer self-exam reminder cards yes I do and we would hang them in our showers right yeah. and it would show you what to do so that was the first thing I saw on this particular morning when I was trying to find a few minutes to find my gratitude in my positive place. And it just struck me. I thought, no way, like, I'm not going to spend this five, this only five minutes that I have to myself today thinking about or focusing on cancer. I want to focus on something positive. And, uh, and that was it. In that moment, the idea struck me to make um, shower notes. So positive affirmations or prayer cards or a reading that we can hang in our shower. Quite often that's where we start our day and it might um, be the only five minutes we get to ourselves. So um, a way to start our, our day in an uplifting way. And that was the very, very beginning of Divinely Inspired in that form. Yeah. And it's just kind of been growing since then. So you've been designing more and more products for your company. And I'm curious how you are um, bringing forth a message about recovery into your work how are you weaving that into divinely inspired because mm-hmm. I know that celebrating the success of recovery is so important to you so how do you see that vision unfolding in the future mm-hmm. great question it's it all kind of just uh, magically unfolds <laughs> um, I do have some some plans and some ideas as well that's for sure but um yeah so I kind of see the the divinely inspired products that I create um as twofold I, I I like to I like people to think of divinely inspired as that little red string that little red reminder string tied around their finger mm-hmm. so um just like that that morning I was needing some outside help to be reminded of my you know essential goodness or you know that that positive place I I think that we quite often do and um so so there's that practical piece to to the products and then also the celebratory piece which is just about like we were talking earlier like 
you know, um, holding up other women and mirroring for them their, you know, basic goodness and, and awesomeness and, you know, celebrating uh, ourselves and, and having, taking a moment to laugh at ourselves and, and not be so serious all the time um, to celebrate one another's successes and, and that sort of thing. You've mentioned spirit and God and being divinely inspired. So you have quite a range of ways in which you talk about spirituality. I'm curious what role spirituality, as you conceive of it, has played in your recovery. Yeah, right. Oh, gosh. Yeah, huge. Um, You know, from the very beginning, and and some of that's in hindsight, you know, as as I think it it is on our, our path, you know, I can look back and say, Oh, that's what was going on there. Mm-hmm. You know, even just like I said, the story about how I got into recovery, I, I often joke that I think God, uh, you know, tricked me into it kind of thing, because the denial was so thick that perhaps I wasn't, you know, going to go there on my own yet. So I was sort of put in, you know, well, not sort of, I was literally put in the position. Um, but yeah, I do have lots of different ways of looking at it and names you know and when I say God I think of God with a small g um and uh it's just it's such an eclectic experience for me and it always has been it's always growing and changing um but the way I see spirituality and recovery is that it's um integral and essential to recovery so there was Why? A, the Why way, because that? there was a huge gaping hole inside mm. of me which I tried to fill and I and, um, you know, you're, I was successful at that for a while, but the hole um, gets bigger or more ravenous and you just can't fill it. And so, and the thing about addiction is that um, from a disease model perspective, that doesn't go away. Um, you know, I still carry around this um, skewed perception or this, this emptiness. However, once I stop... Once I cease, you know, filling it with substances, um, there's hope, there's, you know, all this possibility opens up. And so then what am I going to do? Well, I have to, I don't have to, but it's, you know, it makes sense to me to put something in it, in there, in that hole and something um, positive and, um, um, you know, more sustainable, let's mm-hmm. say. Yeah, yeah, just, does that make sense? Yeah, it so, absolutely mm-hmm. does. And I often talk about... Um, when people are ungrounded, uh-huh. when they are running on the fumes of their own sure. fuel, that they're, yeah, yeah, exactly, that they do need to connect with something that is a deeper and more resourceful energy yeah. than their own right. self. Oh, sure. you know, we do yeah. need to tap into something else. So whether you consider that you know, divine energy or earth energy, whatever works for you. But there needs to be some tether, like you say, that not only grounds us and brings us back to earth, but also can fill us with an energy so that we're not always tapping ourselves to keep pushing through or keep feeding that ravenous hungry hole right so it's like the buddhists talk about the realm of hungry ghosts you know you can't always just be running trying to stay one step ahead you need to actually tap into an energy source that's deeply resourceful Mm -hmm. and infinite Mm -hmm. you know totally renewable yeah the Um, higher the higher power um, mm -hmm. would be another sort of phrase or umbrella you know kind of Mm -hmm. way to look at that something outside of outside of myself but but within myself as well yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You've been quite public 
with your recovery. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, that's quite a departure from some of the more well-known um, you know, recovery programs like Alcoholics Anonymous, which is so much about anonymity, about the, the um, liberation and the strength in that, being able to be truly honest. So tell me a bit about the pitfalls and maybe also some of the benefits and the joys that you find in being out, mm-hmm. quote unquote, yeah. as in recovery. Yeah. Oh, gosh. And I think that um, right now there's a really there's a really big shift that is happening um, on our planet, North America. But, you know, we are recovering all over the world. Mm. Awesomely so. It's very exciting. Um Anyways, um, as far as being open and authentic about my journey, um, pitfalls, gosh, I personally really haven't experienced many or any, I, I, you know, I, I truly, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a good experience. I, I guess one of the pitfalls is that just because I'm open and transparent about my journey, not everyone is, that's for sure. And, um, I can be a little bit, um, oh gosh, what's the word? Insensitive, not, not, not meaning to, but just, yeah, to other people's, um, anonymity, anonymity. So sometimes I've, um, inadvertently said things that I shouldn't have just coming from a place of, you know, this is me and this is where I'm at and, and I know you and, but the other person may not want to speak about it in that way. So that's been something that I, I have to, I have to work on that actually. Mm. Yeah. Um, however, um, yeah, really, other than that, I haven't had any problems with it. Um, for me, it's just, uh, gosh, I mean, there's no shame in in recovery. Mm. (laughs) It's just a beautiful thing. Um, and there's, there's a lot of pride and, and joy in that, um, you know, in having overcome obstacles and, um, you know, it's not, it's not about the addiction anymore. It hasn't been about the addiction in so very long. Um, and I still carry, I believe I still carry this disease. So I need to continually stay present, um, with that, just like somebody, anybody would treat, um, an an incurable disease that they had. Right. So, um, so by being open and, and transparent about it, I then, um, can attract and, and or not, not attract, I guess other people are attracted to my story. Perhaps it's helpful to them. Um, and, uh, yeah, just really get to celebrate the successes out there in the world, as opposed to maybe just behind closed doors. That's great. And so who are you trying to reach with your uh, recovery inspired, divinely inspired products? Like who is that person? Mm -hmm. How do you reach out to them? Mm -hmm. And what would you say to them? Right. Um, Okay. So um, I'm a woman in long-term recovery. And for me, that means I haven't used, as you said earlier, in just 17 years now, as of yesterday. Um, so, you know, my experience, strength and hope, um, is just that, that there's a lot of hope and that's the message, um, that, you know, um, we can help each other. Um, we can change 
and that life on the other side is so damn good. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't necessarily see my, my products helping people from the very, very beginning. I, I've been thinking about this because gosh, for me at the beginning, it was, it, it's, it's really just like, you know, abstinence and you're dealing with the cravings and there's just some, it's, it's, pretty harsh right um so I think there's some stability that comes after a while and when some of that dust starts to settle and we talk about you know thawing out and and this sort of thing then it's like oh crap what now right you know you're you're still clean um and and guess what life's still happening and that's almost where it gets harder sometimes right because it's like what we call life on life's terms you know I'm not using anymore and life is still here and and you know typically my mo would be to you know stuff those feelings with something so now i get to embrace and meet life head on and so that's the, those are the times that i guess at that point when i hope that my products will be helpful is then okay like providing those practical reminders and tools to for women to to um you know so maybe they've gone back to work or you know they've got their kids back maybe they're out in the world again or you know this sort of thing and they just need that um extra support from you know to add on to what they already have to add into their toolkit that's great and so can you share some of your practices in that time when it gets harder and it's life on life's terms what has been your devotional practice that's kept you grounded and centered and clean Hmm. yeah well the first thing that comes up is reaching out you know, um, so again, coming back to that tribe, that community, doing it together, um, reaching out. But, you know, there's not always somebody available on the other end of the phone, right? And so that's when, uh, you know, you know, God or higher power or whatever somebody, you know, who, however they relate to that, um, that's where that comes in. So prayer is a big one. Yeah. And um, meditation as well. But I must say, I didn't find or start to explore meditation for about a decade in my recovery so um that's that's a bit of a trickier one sitting still was um took a while <laughs> yeah yeah I imagine that's um, pretty common yes I think for people so. in recovery because there's a neural pathway that is well trodden in the avoidance direction oh, you got it yeah the running <laughs> running yeah, yeah. yeah. so sitting Keep and being moving. present must be really challenging still yeah still to this day and and here's the thing like after you know so I've been clean for 17 years yes and I still you know look turn to to things to um you know distract myself from the present moment and you know I think I think a lot of people deal with this right so like the internet Mm -hmm. (laughs) is a really common one like Facebook or whatever right and I've got that double-edged sword where it's also like part of my passion and my and my business as well so that's tricky but yes um so prayer meditation uh reaching out writing Mm -hmm. um I, I love dancing um yeah so and and exploring exploring different things I'm a real um I'm a a fire starter I'm a salad bar kind of person so I love I like a taste tester I love trying new things so you know I've been to um First Nations sweat lodges and I've tried out um different churches and and different things like that so yeah I love I love just exploring it all reading picking up some books Mm, Um, yeah Joseph Campbell was asked once what his spiritual practice is Mm. and he said 
I underline books. I saw that you, I saw I posted something. that yeah, on Facebook. I saw that. That's awesome. I totally got that. Yeah. Yeah. I underline in books. Exactly. Highlighter. Highlighter. <laughs> That's right. The modern version. That's great. Yeah. So thank you so much, Trinity. I'm going to close our interview with a question from the Proust questionnaire. Marcel Proust was the 19th century essayist and novelist. He created this parlor game when he was a young boy, about 12 years old, of unusual questions, and uh, people would answer these thought-provoking queries. And then he redid the questionnaire in his 20s and compared the answers. Now you probably most people would be most familiar with the Proust questionnaire because it's the last page of Vanity Fair magazine. Oh, okay. So I'm going to ask you just one question. What is your idea of perfect happiness? Oh my goodness. Perfect happiness. (sighs) How many minutes do we have left? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're not having perfect Um, happiness right now. Right now, okay. Um, geez, the first thing that comes to mind, Carmen, is, um, is two words, just be. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know how much of an ideal that is or, you know, a panacea or if I'll ever achieve that. No, that's not true. I do, I do, I do have that perfect happiness for moments. Mm. Yeah, but it's where I'm just being, where it's just all okay, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Just be. Just be. I like that. Thank you so much, Trinity. Thank you. What a lovely conversation and a lovely woman. I think the two things I'm going to take away from that conversation that I love the most are the idea of the little red string around our finger reminding us of our inherent goodness. I think what a great concept for a product line. And the other thing is... Trinity said this great thing about the eclectic experience of God with a small g. I think that's going to stick with me for a while. Today's show notes can be found on my blog at carmenspaniola.com, C-A-R-M-E-N-S-P-A-G-N-O-L-A. That's where you'll find links to more about today's topic and my guest, Trinity Donnelly McRae, and her store, divinelyinspired.com. I want to thank Trinity for being here and thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, I'd really appreciate your review on iTunes and please share the show far and wide so it can reach more seekers like you. You never know who really needs to hear it right now. If you'd like to keep exploring the great mystery of life with me, you can go to my website, carmenspaniola.com and click the link for the Numinous School, my online intuition development course. While you're there, sign up for my monthly email newsletter. You'll instantly receive a meditation download and you'll get something free from me every month. Till next time, take care.